Support accounting instruction by clicking the link below, giving you a free month membership to all of the content on our website, broken out by category, further broken out by course. Each course then organized in a logical, reasonable fashion, making it much more easy to find what you need than can be done on a YouTube page. We also include added resources such as Excel practice problems, PDF files, and more like QuickBooks backup files when applicable. So once again, click the link below for a free month membership to our website and all the content on it. Personal finance presentation, investment services, prepare to get financially fit by practicing personal finance. We're continuing on with our discussion of financial services. First, taking a step back, looking at the categories of financial services. Then we'll zoom back in to the investment services. So the types of financial services categories include cash availability. We talked about in a prior presentation. Payment services we talked about in a prior presentation. Saving services we talked about in a prior presentation. Credit services we talked about in a prior presentation. This time we're talking about the investment services and then we have other services. So we're focusing here in on investment services. The categories that we're going to expand on shortly will include then the individual retirement accounts, the IRAs, the brokerage services, the investment advice, and mutual funds. So these are going to be the categories that we're going to break into a little bit more detail in the following components the following slides so we have the individual retirement accounts also known as the iras now remember when you're thinking about iras you're thinking about a situation where you're saving for retirement and you're willing to put your money generally for a traditional ira under the umbrella of an ira where it will be more restricted you can't take it out as easily in exchange for in essence a tax benefit you also want to think about all these kind of retirement plans that have the same deferral strategy in in the same categories in essence to get to get an idea of what you're talking about and why you are doing this so in other words many people that work for a company might have some type of retirement plan offered by the company it might be a 401k plan a 403b plan or something like that if it's a larger company and they have a larger kind of plan that is set up then you may have assistance and help to some degree to invest into those types of plans and and you can work through that along with your employer and sign up for that and I highly recommend doing that if you have the cash flow to do it that's of course one of the major restrictions to take advantage of this and you're taking advantage of a tax benefit related to these retirement accounts you need the money to be able to put into it so that you can then defer it for a, a long period of time so usually you can put more money into like a 401k plan or a 403b plan or something like that with your employer and you might have matching benefits related to it there that's why that's the first place you kind of want to go and then if you don't have access to that and or if you can also put money into an ira depending on your your financial situation you might also want to put money into the ira now the IRA, usually you have more control on into it yourself. It's fairly easy to set up an IRA. Typically, if you go to the financial institution to set one up, you can think of it oftentimes when you're putting money into an IRA, you're putting money in essence, usually into an investment type of things like stocks and bonds, typically mutual funds, possibly even uh, index type of funds. So it's a fairly straightforward, just a common type of investment 
It's not like you're investing, in other words, as many people think, into something that's different than what you would be investing in if you weren't putting it into the IRA. The major difference that you have is that those same investments that you're putting money into, the stocks, the bonds, the, the index funds, the mutual funds, are under the umbrella of the IRA. And the reason you put them under the umbrella of the IRA is not because that umbrella special, that you have special kind of money that, that's there. It's, it's The only thing special about it is that you get a tax benefit for it. The fact that it's in the IRA is actually bad once it's in the IRA because it's locked into the IRA. The only reason you locked it up into the IRA isn't because you have different kinds of investments typically. It's because you wanted the tax benefit of putting it into the IRA that tax benefit typically being for a traditional IRA that you deferred the taxes at the point in time that you put it in, not paying taxes on it at this point, and then you get the tax benefit, uh, and then you have to pay taxes when you take it out at the end of the process. So that's going to be your, your general retirement accounts. We're talking here about the individual retirement accounts here because instead of the 401k generally, because these are the kind of things that, that you would probably have to deal with more you know, you're kind of more on your own to set those kind of things up. If you get the retirement plans through work, then you might have a little bit more of assistance uh, to get those set up and, and processing and at least taking the money out of your checking account or out of your check and putting it in there and so on. So types of IRAs include the traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, SEP IRAs, and simple IRAs. So notice that by far, most people deal with the traditional IRAs. The traditional IRA means that you got a deferral kind of component similar to a 401k plan. You're typically taking the benefit today, meaning you get the deduction today, deferring the taxes. Then you pay taxes in essence when you take the money out at the point of retirement. If you take the money out early, then you're gonna be, you're gonna be penalized on it. You might want a Roth IRA in some instances, which is kind of the reverse of the traditional IRA. That would mean that you're basically paying the taxes on it today, but when you take the money out, then you're not paying taxes when you pull the money out. So you get the benefit of the growth of the money. That would be beneficial possibly in a situation where you think at the point in time of retirement, your, your tax rate possibly will be higher than it is now, which not usually the case if you're in your prime earning years. It may be, or, or it might be if you think that the tax rates are gonna go you think the government's just going to start increasing tax rates, and by the time you retire, it's going to be ridiculous or something like that. But uh, it, you know, if you're in your prime earning years, because of a progressive tax system, assuming the tax system is somewhat the same over your life, then you would assume at your prime earning years, you'd be at a higher tax bracket due to earning more money. Would be the general idea. If you're if you're not in your prime earning years or whatever, you're in a low year of earnings which could be the case for many people, at least at, at this point in time, even if you were in your prime earning years, before, then you, uh, you, you might still want to put money away if you have it, and you might put it into a Roth IRA because your current taxes are fairly low because you're in a low income tax bracket due to whatever's going on at this point in time, and you're not, you don't earn as much money right now, so you're not paying as much taxes. Now, note that the SEP IRA and the simple IRAs, those are usually things that are going to be set up for small businesses. So if you're a large business, if you're working as a, with a large business and you're an employee, they might have a 401k plan or a 403b plan, which is like the nice, the nice full-size, full-service kind of retirement plan. But if you work for or if you have a small business, then you might want to set up some similar thing, but the 401k plan is too burdensome to, to do just from an admin standpoint. 
So they might set up like a SEP IRA or a simple type of IRA, which are going to act in a similar way as like a, a normal IRA, but they're, they're usually going to be linked to some kind of small business. Okay, so if you were uh, to withdraw money from an IRA before age 59 and a half, you are usually subject to an early withdrawal penalty of 10%. So that's the point. The government's saying, hey, look, if you put money into an IRA, we're trying to force you. They're trying to force us to, to behave the way they want, which is to save for retirement. And the way they do that is they say, we give you this, this carrot, which is we're not going to take your money with taxes if you put it into the, to the account. But if you do take it out before you retired, because then, you, then you're not doing what we wanted you to do, we're going to then penalize you. And usually the penalty is 10%. There might be exceptions to that penalty, but that's the, gen, that's the general rule. So there are income limitations for uh, contributing to, uh, to Roth IRAs and for deducting contributions to traditional IRAs. So you want to make sure that you're in compliance with, with the uh, contribution limits for the Roth and the, in, and the individual IRAs. Uh, notice when you're thinking about a normal IRA, you're usually thinking about how much can I put into it and still get the benefit of, of the tax benefit today if I contrib contribute into it. Also note that you usually with an IRA have up until the point in time you file the tax return, not including extensions. Therefore, if you're talking about the current year, you have up until the tax filing deadline, which is generally April 15th of the following year to put into an IRA. That being different normally than if you have a 401k plan with your work where you generally have to put the money in during the time period when you're working. So if you can have some extra cash at tax time when you file, when you start to think about your taxes, it could be worthwhile so that you can calculate your taxes and see whether or not you can put more money into an IRA, which could result in a tax benefit. That's like the last minute tax plan and you might be able to do or one component of tax planning even after the year is over. But you can only do that, of course, if you have the cash flow to put the money in uh, at that point in time. The rules for the maximum contributions and income limits for IRAs generally change each year. So they're often going to be increasing. This is a you know big deduction. So usually the amounts and limits as to how much you can put into an IRA. You also have to think about how much you can put in if you have also a, a 401k plan or access to one. Those rules will typically go up, you would think, year over year given the fact that they're trying to increase it with regards to inflation, but it could also jump around due to simply, you know, the different different lawmakers in place wanting, wanting to do different things and whatnot. So the brokerage company. A brokerage company acts as a middleman to connect buyers and sellers to uh, facilitate a transaction. So normally we're thinking about, when we're thinking about a brokerage company, we're thinking about putting money into something like stocks and bonds. We need the brokerage to basically facilitate the transactions. Note that over the years, the facilitation of the transaction and what the broker kind of does and does and where the value is from the broker has changed substantially, right? Because it used to be before we had things like mutual funds and before we had the online banking and the tools that allow, allow the trading to happen a little bit e more easily and quickly without so much manual uh, components to it then there was a fee basically per sale that you had on the stocks individual stockholders or or normal people had more difficulty investing into say stocks because the stocks themselves you had to buy stock by stock it was hard to diversify with fewer uh, dollars and you had to pay per transaction so if you're doing a small uh, function of transactions so many transactions but for small dollar amounts it can be costly 
because the broker is the one that's going to be broking or doing the transaction. You pay for that transaction to happen. As things have become more kind of computer computerized and so on and so forth, and with the advent of other resources like mutual funds and ETFs, then now that the cost of just facilitating the exchange has gone way down and the ability for someone to diversify into a portfolio, uh, even with a small amount of money, has gone way up with the amount with the use of mutual funds. So most small investors, then they want to get an idea. You want to you want to understand basically the concept of mutual funds and then try to think about how much advice you want. Again, if you work for an employer that provides something like a 401k plan or a 403b plan, you might then be working with them to some degree. They might have some kind of process that helps you determine what kind of investment portfolio or what you want to put your money into. Oftentimes, they'll be using some kind of managed mutual fund kind of accounts that will basically be targeted towards retirement and have some kind of mix between how much they're going to automatically put into, say, bonds versus stocks and so on, trying to give you diversification uh, through through that process. If If you are putting money on your own into a brokerage account and or you have a 401k and you're putting money into your own IRA or other kind of brokerage account, then you're kind of more on your own in terms of deciding exactly how much you want to put into the into it and you have different kind of resources to determine you know what you want to do do you want to get more advice from the broker do you do you want to basically have more of a do-it-yourself kind of uh, setup and when you pay for the for the broker services those those are some of the things you want to take into place also what kind of stocks do you want to be putting money into do you want to manage you're probably putting money into to mutual funds or ATFs. do you want them to be managed or possibly simply just index funds. There's a lot of arguments between how much value a managed fund has as opposed to simply an index funds. These are topics we'll talk more about in future presentations, but uh, you might be able to put money into, in essence, an index fund, possibly that it's targeted towards retirement or whatever your target is that can actually give you some format of diversification using in a, just simply an algorithm so that you can have a limited amount of funds that you're putting money into and hopefully for still get that diversification. There's there's arguments as to whether that which would perform better that kind of kind of setup or to have someone more actively managing either your portfolio or actively managing the mutual funds that you're putting your money into. So again, we'll talk more about that in in future presentations. Brokerage companies typically receive one of two types of commission, either a flat fee or a percentage of the transaction amount. Brokerage companies come in several types. They are a range of products and services at a range of cost and fees. So again, clearly the the lowest cost type of services at this point in time are going to be services that aren't going to give you a lot of advice, but they might give you tools. There's a lot of tools these days to try to compile your information and actually give you what they call like robo advice and general advice on on your stocks and investments compared to other people in your scenario and what your objectives and goals are. And then there's going to be other kind of services where you're paying for, of course, active advice, more personalized advice, uh, you know, geared towards you. And of course, that's going to increase in 
the expense generally. So then we have mutual funds. Mutual funds, a type of investment vehicle consisting of a portfolio of stocks, bonds, or other securities. Now remember the mutual funds, when for most investors, this is the tool, one of you know the major tools that you're going to be taking a look at. Mutual funds, ETFs are going to be the major types of things that you'll be you'll be looking into. This was one of the, the huge things that allowed people, normal people, to invest because it allow, it allows you to diversify even with a limited amount of money. Because before mutual funds, you basically had to invest in individual stocks. And it would cost a lot of money to diversify your portfolio to invest in multiple different companies. Whereas a mutual fund can basically take pool the money together, in essence, and then allocate to, to these different funds with the pooled resources. Now, once you're thinking about mutual funds, then you want to think about, do I want a mutual fund that has a manager that has a lot of control over where the money is going to go? It's like you've got some guru manager that's going to do it. Or do you want to say, hey, look, I'm not sure the guru manager is worth it. I would and I would don't want to pay the guru manager. I just want an index fund, which is going to track averages by average categories. So once you're in mutual funds, that's usually the next the next question you want. Do I want to pay higher fees to have some financial genius that might be worth it if they can get higher returns than the normal market would get? If, on the other hand, you simply invested on the averages in in the market or something like that instead of instead of having a picker basically try to outguess outguess the market that's your next kind of step generally they give a small or individual investor access to diversified professionally managed portfolios at a low price they are divided into several kinds of categories that represent uh, the kinds of securities they invest in their investment objectives and the type of returns they are looking for so once you start thinking about the mutual funds, then you got to think about, okay, what kind of categories of mutual funds do I want to diversify my portfolio? So you're going to think maybe you want even just index funds, even if you just look at index funds, which are average funds without the more expensive um, managers, you know, less costs possibly for just the managing of it, then there's still a lot of categories. And some would then argue that the next argument would be, is it possible to, to get one mutual fund that basically has a mix that is going to change along with your life cycle, meaning there's target mutual funds like to target towards your retirement date, which the mix of the mutual fund between things like stocks and bonds, risky versus non-risky uh, components will actually change you know, automatically during your life. Is it possible to have one mutual fund, in other words, that basically is going to allow one individual to have the diversification that would be needed through uh, basically retirement. So that's, again, a debated kind of thing. Or do you need to manage and have multiple mutual funds in order to be properly diversified? Or do you need to have someone actually help you manage so that they're actually tracking the market and trying to, to beat outbeat the market and, and beat these kind of automatic uh, setups that might be in place? So mutual funds, they charge the annual fee, often called the expense ratio. So that expense ratio is something that you want to keep in consideration when you're thinking about mutual funds. If you're thinking about something that's like a non-index fund, you would expect the expense ratio to be higher because you're paying a guru to, to, to outbeat the market. If you're putting your money into index fund averages, you would think the expense ratio would generally be lower given the fact that they're just trying to put the money in there in accordance with the ratios 
uh, of a certain index, which is just trying to averages averages that are used to try to gauge certain sectors of, of the market. The, the overwhelming majority of money in employer-sponsored retirement plans goes into mutual funds. So if you have an employer-sponsored plan, like a 401k plan, a 403b plan, then most likely they're putting that money into some format of mutual funds. You're invested, in essence, in mutual funds.